Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, a huge week, not for necessarily college football, but for college football players, it's draft week. I know you're an NFL guy. I know you're a Buffalo Bill guy. So not just work-wise, this has got to be a big week for you as a fan. Yes, and it's it's gotten to the point now uh, that I can actually enjoy it <laughs> because uh, previously, <laughs> like in in the long history of my lifetime, I've always come to the draft and like I've I've done my own draft scouting and put it out on my own websites where I've done like ten deep at every single position. Now that I am uh, neck deep and actually drowning in high school profiles to do for Blue White Illustrated, I don't have as much time for the draft. So I can just walk in and be like, okay, who's good? Tell me, other people. And then I can just sit down, have a beer, and enjoy draft night instead of being like, oh, no, that's a wrong pick. Like analyzing one through 32 and trade-ups. And like, it's just, it, it's one of the few times I get to be a fan now. So I, I, I thoroughly enjoy draft time. Tell you what, T. Frank, I have such tremendous respect for you, your opinion, whenever you put it out. I find it hard to question you on anything, correct you on anything. However, I'm going to do this. I was going to say, you're one of you, but here we go. You did not have a long history, okay? No, no, you have not had a long history. Come back in another 25 years and we'll talk long history. All right, T. Frank. Before we get to Penn Staters in the draft, which is what we're going to do in today's show, the recruiting world, it goes on and on. It's 12 months a year. Penn State, no rush for the weary, my friend. You work on this. Let's get to it. Wisconsin, the hotbed of recruiting, by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Penn State gets another offensive line recruit out of uh, Wisconsin. It was Donovan Harbor last week. This week it's Garrett Sexton. Most outstanding feature. He's six foot seven, 255 pounds, about he's got room to grow, I assume. What can you tell us about Garrett Sexton? I am very excited to watch Garrett Sexton gain a hundred pounds in the next couple of years because I I think this kid's gonna be good. Um there's there's a lot of stuff to get into with Sexton because he's got a very, very fascinating uh, profile. And let, let's just start off with kind of the um, recruiting industry bedrock stuff, right? So according to On3, their industry ranking, he is the 427th player in the nation, uh, a three-star player. But I want you to look past that for a second because On3's internal rankings – He's the 115th player in the nation and the 13th overall tackle in America. So Penn State gets a true blue, blue-blooded tackle prospect in this class. He is vastly underrated because uh, last year, you know, not 2022, but 2021, he was playing quarterback. So he has been playing offensive line for exactly one year. And when you look at him, when you scout him, and when you project what he can become, on three is much closer to his his ceiling and his abilities at uh, 115th in the nation, bordering on a top 10 tackle. You mentioned 6'6". To me, the biggest thing is he has like 35-plus-inch arms. Like he has a, he has 
this gargantuan wingspan. So to me, he is the first or, or, or one of the first true, pure, fully developed physically, you know, the frame and everything you're looking for offensive tackle prospect, left tackle prospect, probably since Olufashinu. Like, and I'm, I'm, I'm skipping over Drew Shelton because he's a little bit shorter. He doesn't have the prototypical length in, in terms of his um, individual skill set. But he was obviously a left tackle. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. But this is, this is another Olu sort of player here in terms of zero questions whatsoever about his position fit. This is a left tackle. He's got all of the skills you're looking for, and he's got unbelievable upside. You know, it's interesting, too, and I'm glad you brought it up, the disparity in rankings for him. And it seems like whenever a guy changes positions in high school, uh, the ranking services are a little slow in catching up because they don't have enough tape on them or any tape on them in the new position. But also what strikes me is, this might be the first guy I've ever heard being the quarterback slash left tackle in yeah. his position review. That also has to speak to some athleticism for a guy. Uh, yes, that's why I, that's what you hear in my voice. Like, oh, man, I'm jacked up to see this guy play football because I project him as a guy we're talking about this time in a couple of years in terms of this is a guy that has left tackle draftable skills. And there's so long to go. Like, I, you know, that's that's the whole, like, holy cow, slow down. But at the same time, there are very few people that are six foot six, have unbelievably quick feet, and the reach that Garrett Sexton does. So he has everything you're looking for. The athleticism, the movement skills, the posi- like the literal flexibility in his frame to set up properly and get leverage at that height and an obvious growth potential. We have him listed at 245. I I have no problem with him being 265, 270 by the time he's enrolling at Penn State. And from there, we've seen what James Franklin and Chuck Losey and the strength staff can do with a player with a frame. Uh, I mean, Tony Rojas is in 6'6", and he gained 29 pounds this, this spring. So Garrett Sexton can absolutely turn into a top flight left tackle prospect. Now there's a whole bunch of stuff that needs to happen. He needs to learn a lot about the position, but you know, I'm impressed watching some of his full game, not just watching his highlights, but watching some of his full game uh, film, uh, still digging into it, but he understands what he's trying to do. And I love that. Like, it seems like he's got a very good coaching staff and he's taught very well at Arrowhead high school. So I'm, I'm optimistic that he's not going to come in an ultra raw prospect because the position fundamentals, he's clearly working on them. The position understanding of what this blocking scheme is supposed to do and where I'm supposed to be and how I'm supposed to get there. I see early signs of all those things. And you put all that together and this dude is going to rocket up scouting recruiting boards next fall. Once he's in the position for a full season uh, with some development this off season and that one year under his belt. I believe also what you have here, T. Frank, is a kid, a high school age kid, willing to make that change from quarterback to offensive line. That also talks to the idea that he's probably willing to do the work. If he's willing to make that kind of change, and if you're a high school kid, you know, I think every high school football player wants to be the quarterback. 
and to say, you know what, I have a future on the offensive line, unlike what I do at quarterback. This is probably a kid who wants to do the work to become what he's supposed to be as an offensive lineman. It probably doesn't hurt that he uh, grew up in Wisconsin, where offensive linemen are are revered, and it's not it's not the same thing as uh, as some other places where you know being being one of the guys that play up front is is a is an honored position, especially at that you know at that tackle position where he has all of that um, potential that I just talked about. And you know I don't want to go too far down this road without actually learning more about him as a person and his, you know, level of intelligence and his level of passion about football. You can get context clues from watching on film. And that's why I'm so excited is because I think he's picked it up really quickly uh, for a guy who just learned how to play one of the most technically demanding positions in football. I think he's picking it up pretty quickly given he just started doing it. Um, But the position of playing quarterback, usually you got to be smart and usually you got to understand even on the high school level, What's going on? You can't just go out there and bully people and be like, okay, block the guy in front of you. Block this guy. Uh, he, that's what I'm saying. Like He seems to have a bigger picture when he's playing about what he's trying to accomplish. And that's just great. <laughs> like I just I want to underscore how important it is to be smart as a tackle and how important it is to understand the nuances of different run blocking systems. And I'm not we're here on the radio. I'm giving you this breakdown. I've watched about a game from him, so I'm not I don't want to oversell it. But I was expecting somebody who didn't know what he was doing and was going to miss a bunch of blocks and was going to be, you know, uh, a big old kid running around there beating up on, little, you know, people who are smaller than him. And what I saw was somebody who was playing within the confines of the system. And I just I, I'm very excited for what he can be as a football player, given um, what he's working with, and and it seems to be what he's able to do mentally at the position. It's too late. You've already oversold it. We're all expecting an All-American. <laughs> and the other thing I got from this is essentially you're saying um, in Wisconsin, chicks dig the offensive linemen. Yeah. Um, I want to also <laughs> hit the Wisconsin theme here, uh, T. Frank, because it's really fascinating. As I mentioned, Donovan Harbor, uh, an mm-hmm. interior offensive lineman committed last week. It's Garrett Sexton, a true tackle this week. And on Friday, there's going to be an announcement from Donovan Harbor's running back teammate, Corey Smith. So obviously, he's also a Wisconsin guy. Penn State is not just in the mix, but probably listed as the favorite to get him. What in the world is going on in Wisconsin? Uh, I genuinely couldn't tell you uh, my colleagues. We talked about this on BWI live on Monday. It, it has a lot obviously to do with the new coaching staff, Luke fickle at, at Wisconsin and whether or not they are pushing for these players or not. I, I don't know. And, and it's just, it's Penn state taking advantage of a situation and grabbing high quality players from an area where there's an opportunity. These guys are interested. They're talented enough. And, uh, Penn state is hammering home coming to Penn state and, and gets I, I just some really good prospects. Corey Smith is a really good running back prospect. And uh, I know he's deciding on Friday. Here is a, a little hint um, that came up on our show again on Monday. His mom was watching our show. His mom was joining in the chat saying, hi, she made it on the show. So uh, I don't have any insight, but I like Penn state's chances on Friday. They're going to land another <laughs> Wisconsin football player. 
so it, it's it seems to be a, a just a really advantageous situation to go in. By the way, Wisconsin offensive line and running back like they are taking positions that that school is known for so it's just a really impressive job to see an advantageous situation create great relationships and uh capitalize uh, on that situation now we still got to get to signing day and that's going to be a long road for all of these players not just the wisconsin kids all these players when you go regional and in semi and outside your region. So, um, you know, I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, put storm clouds over all of this stuff, but it is, it is a great opportunity in a situation to grab some really good football players. I also read somewhere that one of the high school coaches mentioned the connection Ty Howe made with Wisconsin coaches when he mm-hmm. was at coaching out in the Midwest prior to being with Penn state. All right. That is it for quarter number one. Quarter number two, we're going to dive into those Penn State players who are going to be in the draft. Stay tuned for that. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's T. Frank Carr. I'm Jim Galante. As promised, we are going to talk the NFL draft and more specifically those Penn State football players in the draft. We have T. Frank Carr, the guy who knows NFL football. He knows these Penn State players. So who better, who better to talk to about this than our buddy here? Uh, T. Frank, when going over this list of Penn State players, it's it's interesting I compare it to what is coming in the next couple years for the NFL draft. And that's an interesting question that we'll hit later. But let's hit some of these individuals. There are going to be some good NFL players here. And if we're going to start the evaluation, you got to start with Joey Porter Jr., who just seems to be an absolute lock as a first-round pick, correct? Yeah, I'd say he's the second corner um, by consensus in this draft class. And that's, that's uh, 
tentative that Christian Gonzalez is also a guy that everyone likes from Oregon, who has probably a complete set of physical tools, but isn't doesn't have a unique skill set in terms of positional skills. So there's a little bit of ambivalence between if teams want the ultra athlete, who's not as big as Joey Porter Jr., but um, twice as fluid and can run with anybody, or if you want the guy that can grab a receiver, throw him out of bounds, uh, pile drive him, and then hit him with a chair like it's a WWE match. Like you, depends on what you want. And, I, and I'm oversimplifying Joey Porter Jr. because he's also a good athlete that can run with people and stay with them downfield. And his offseason testing showed that he is more athletic than people were giving him credit for because we like to characterize people by a defining trait. And he is a physical corner, so therefore physical corners aren't as fast. Well, he ran sub 4-5. He has good recovery speed. He is good at the catch point to deflect the ball, but maybe doesn't have interception skills. Maybe doesn't have the hands to be a guy that gets 10 interceptions in a year. But at the same time, he is going to be a very good cornerback one for a team that can take a physical X receiver and battle with that guy and shut down um, for at least part of the game, a team's top uh, player. Like he's proven he can do that in, in college Teams stop throwing at him. So he will be the first ever Penn State defensive back taken in the first round. I, I'm I'm excited for history because I've been talking about this for like three years now. And uh, I know that it's been much longer than that, that it's been a thing, but it just blows my mind that it's never happened. And then for as long as Penn State's been playing football, none of these guys have gone in the first round from the secondary. So I think this is a, a big moment for Penn State. Uh, there's, there's a lot of... Um, uh, recruiting capital you can make from this and it's a huge win for the Nittany Lions and obviously for for Joey I want to ask you about you mentioned his ability for interceptions and it it, it seems like to me that that skill and I'm kind of using air quotes here I don't recall Joey Porter uh, dropping interceptions I'm just not sure there were all that many opportunities for those and maybe it's because he hasn't created them. I do believe it's a skill. I do believe there are players who are good at it, have a nose for the ball in that way. But I'm not sure necessarily that Joey Porter is bad at that, partly because teams stopped throwing in his direction after Purdue. Yeah, and the Purdue game is where you would point that he he had a great play where he was he broke out of his zone because he read what was happening. He jumped the underneath route and the ball hit him in the face and he did not catch it and run for a touchdown, which is what uh, should have happened. Like he should have been able to do that because the, there was some contact at the catch point. But when you have I've since I first saw him, I said, it looks like there's a condor out on the football field. His arms are so long. So like if you're not reaching up and, and jumping to the catch point and making those plays and catching the ball away from your body, there is a concern uh, that you don't have the ball skills to be an interception magnet. And I think that's a fair criticism because I, I think he's had one career interception or something like that. I, I should have looked it up before we started talking, but um, it's not, it's not a lot of interceptions in his career. And I think that's a fair criticism, but at the same time, it's only one part of the evaluation. If your interceptions can be random anyway. So if you're looking for a guy that has a knack for the football, like it, I think that's only one part of the overall picture of playing cornerback. And he's got the majority of the skills you want and some incredibly rare uh, skills. We, we talked in the first segment about offensive tackles. Joey has offensive tackle length as a corner. He has like 34 inch arms. 
and I know that it, it, people get tired of talking about arm length, but if you physically can get to the ball before somebody else because you can jump high and you have that reach, that is a huge benefit. The same thing at the offensive uh, line of scrimmage where you can you can battle and press cover and you can you just have more tools to work with than a guy who has 31-inch arms. It, it's a huge advantage, and he does a good job with those skills. I want to know, Christian Gonzalez, you, you mentioned, I'm reading about him being a top-10 pick. Where does Joey Porter go? Or maybe a better question. I see him tied to the Steelers, which is, and we have a lot of Steeler fans who are listeners at number 17. That's what I was looking up here. The Steelers have the 17th pick. Do you see Joey Porter anyway getting past the Steelers? Uh, I think he is. Uh, I think he goes in the teens, and I don't have a preference other than I, I grew up the opposite of a Steelers fan. So like I'm not rooting for them to have any sort of happiness or success. I I I'm am I'm agnostic towards the the situation. I'm not one of these people rooting for him to go to his hometown team. I'm not rooting for him to go to the Steelers. I like there are two teams I don't want him to go to. The Patriots and the Steelers. Outside of that, like I think he could fit with the Eagles if they want to do something a little bit different and play a little more press man coverage. He's not terrible in zone coverage, but his skills do translate best to a team that wants to be aggressive with their corners and play in man coverage. Everyone in the NFL plays man coverage. So like, like, let's get this out on the table. Everyone plays man coverage, but you also have to play zone because this is not college. You can't do just one thing and shut down everybody. The NFL is too good. So he does have to improve in his zone coverage, playmaking ability. I think he's got eyes for it. Like I said, the, the interception he should have had was in zone coverage. So he, he, he does have the instincts. He does have the intelligence to play in zone, but I think his production, especially like in, in cover three, I think there are times he's late to come downhill and attack and to attack routes that he sees. The Ohio State game comes to mind where there were a couple of plays where he was late diagnosing or he was late breaking on the play and just gave up a 15-yard in, which is a weakness in that in that particular zone, but it's also something that you have to, if you're going to be really good, you're going to anticipate those sort of things. Um, so that's to say, like, teams, and this is where I don't know necessarily the Steelers, they were a zone team before, and then recently, with Brian Flores coming uh, to the team, he, they, they played much more man coverage. Um, but he's no longer with the team. So I don't know what their philosophy in the secondary is. I don't want them to turn him into Ike Taylor. I don't want them to do that. I don't want them to have him be like this zone corner that gets all this praise for being really good when he isn't. You know, I, I, I think they, they need to use his skills a little bit better than that. So I, I don't really have a great opinion on him going to the Steelers, but I do think he will go in the teens. I don't think he's going to slip into the end of the first round because corner is very valuable and he's got really rare skills. So knowing my uh, football happiness and, and to be the woe is me guy, he's definitely going to the Patriots. Uh, spoken like a true Buffalo Bills fan. Let's let's talk about one of my favorite players, um, Jair Brown, safety seems to have all the skills of a safety playing in the box if need be, can tackle, could cover. Where do you see him going? What, or How do his skills match the traits that an NFL safety needs to have? So this one's difficult for me because there are two, there are two conversations here. Jair Brown, the football player, and, and Jair Brown, the athlete. I think Tig is awesome at football. I think he's got the intelligence. I think he's got the the overall skill set to be a good NFL player. But that's not enough in the NFL. 
you have to have the physical traits to be a high-end starter and to start in the NFL. He is uh, 5'11". He does not have a great reach. So tackling, playing in the box, he's about 205 pounds. Tackling and run defense have not been his strong suit necessarily throughout his career. He has been a much better free safety, reading, reacting, and getting interceptions. Like That's what he was known for in 2021 with when he was playing free safety. So where does he fit in the NFL? The good news is the NFL is, is kind of going through this change where instead of playing those press man or cover three systems where you are using kind of prototypes of the positions, a, a true free safety with sideline to sideline speed and a box safety that is a quasi linebacker. That was the 2000s, the, the mid 2010s. Because of the revolution of the RPO and the revolution of uh, athletic quarterbacks and quarterbacks that stretch the field, we are going more to a too high system in the NFL where both safeties have to be able to do a little bit of everything. So Tig does fit into the NFL. He will be a starter. He will be a guy that can play. My question is, what does the NFL value? Because they don't value the safety position anyway. Uh, Jaquan Brisker should have been a first round pick. He had those physical skills. He went in the second round because the NFL doesn't value safeties. So now you have a safety that does not run um, in the sub four fives. He run uh, he ran a four, I think a four six at Penn State's pro day, and that was the the best he did. His overall like physical profile is is average, bordering on slightly below average. So I'm gonna just kind of throw a dart at the board and say low fourth round, uh, maybe high fifth round. And so he won't be what I think Penn State fans are expecting out of one of the best safeties. But at the same time, I do think there is a path to him starting in the NFL for certain teams. Um, not necessarily like Nick Scott. Nick Scott is, again, faster and more explosive than Tig Brown. But the overall skill set may be somewhere in the same ballpark of a guy that went late but can start in the NFL. That That's interesting. And I wonder if that is he the kind of guy that. We as Penn State fans, we see him play every week that we have more appreciation for him perhaps than uh, those scouts who are scouting hundreds and hundreds of players and perhaps can't um, appreciate those other skills that a guy brings to the table. I don't I don't know. Obviously, fans' emotion comes into this, and for, for some team, some coach is going to say, I love this kid because he's smart. And because he knows how to play football and he is everything you want. And I don't care that he isn't the fastest or the longest or the biggest or the most explosive. I want him on my football team. Somebody's going to argue for Tig Brown in the room. But when you get to the nuts and bolts of it and the, the positional ranking, ranking him against other players at other positions, it is going. That's that's a part of the calculus here. It's not just how good is the individual player. It's how is he compared to the rest of his peers in this class and um, other positions as well. So that's where I don't have the answer for you because I have not done all of that work with the top two hundred players in this draft. I, I just I know these guys intimately inside and out. I don't know the depth of the safety position this year. What I've heard is it's not great, and that might be another part that helps Tig, is that he separates by being good. Very good, T. Frank. That's it. We're going to continue the NFL draft conversation in quarter four, but first, we're going to ask T. Frank. Stay tuned for that. Hey, guys. This is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. 
Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim. He's T. Frank. This is quarter number three, which means it's time to ask T. Frank This is where we take your questions for T. Frank, and you can send in a question by downloading our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask T. Frank button there. Just fill in your question, send it in, and who knows, we could be asking your question of T. Frank next week. At the end of the segment, T. Frank will pick out the best question, and you will win a prize pack from 409tailgateclub.com. They're the ones with those great barbecue products, barbecue sauces, barbecue rubs, including the new coffee barbecue rubs. All right, T. Frank, you ready for the questions? I hope so. Um, just a quick thing before we get started. some I will listen back to this show. It's one of the few shows I will listen back to that I do. Just because I, we record earlier in the morning, and like sometimes I'm like, what did I say there? And recently, like, I've realized listening back, I didn't quite understand the question when you asked it to me or I interpreted it the wrong way upon re-listening. So I hope I'm ready and I will do my best to be ready. But, uh, you know, you never know. So let's find out. These are completely these are blind. Like, I don't get these before we start. So, like, these are absolutely the answer that comes to my mind first. Okay, and I'll tell you what, I'll put my hands up if I think you're going the wrong direction. (laughs) Sounds good. Let's get to Matt and Acton, who says, hey, Jim and T. Frank. I kind of like that. He included me in the question. I'd like to get your opinion on a recruiting matter. Are there any sleeper schools or areas in general that are not high profile, but have potential that Penn State isn't recruiting from? Or would Penn State prefer to stay in their comfort zones? I'll throw one out. How about Wisconsin, T. Frank? <laughs> yeah, so it's about um, what can you replicate year to year. So there, I, okay. So let let's let's talk about are there sleeper schools or areas? California would be a huge one if Penn State could get into California, but that is a huge ask. Like that is you're now a national program uh, where Penn State fans want to be. 
So they've done some work trying to get into and, and attract guys and get them on campus from California um, and kind of their IMG type schools out there. Not necessarily the same thing, but like, you know, the places that attract top talent. The other area that we talked about on my show on Monday is New England. And I think that there have been a lot of really good football players that have come out of the New England prep school areas in recent years. And Penn State has done well there. So maybe it's not necessarily about um, Penn State not tapping into a resource because I think they genuinely will and try all of the areas that make sense to to be as strong in those areas as possible. And you can't be the best everywhere. So that that's part of the problem. Uh, it's just you don't have enough resources. So making the most of the areas and then what the area brings to you, right? So the DMV, the, the East Coast, coastal region, Penn State has tried very hard to get back into New Jersey and they have worked really well in Virginia. Like they have been the best recruiting school in Virginia over the last like five years or so. So it's it's kind of seasonal in terms of what's available and and where are the hot spots. But I think a couple of areas that are doing much better, just from my observation, you can go down the list of players they've gotten out of New England from Pat Fryermuth to Andrew Rappelier. Um, and some of the players they haven't been able to get have also been incredibly talented football players in that area. Being one of the premier schools in the Northeast specifically, you know, like Pennsylvania up through New England, I understand Michigan and some of the other schools can come into that area, but they are really positioned really well to take advantage of, an, of, of a system that seems to be getting better. And then the other place would be New Jersey, you know, getting back into New Jersey consistently, getting some of the best players out of that state, which is definitely within their recruiting footprint. But it's also an area where national schools come and take the best players. You know, it's kind of not that it's California, but like any area within the East Coast that there's a top player, there's a great chance that other top five schools are going to come in and have an advantage there. So getting some more groundwork in New Jersey and then continuing to plumb New England, I think, is, is a huge advantage for what Penn State has been doing. I think it's an interesting strategy that schools have to make some decisions on. If you're Alabama, if you're Georgia, if you're Ohio State, if you're USC with Lincoln Riley, you're such a national name, you can go anywhere. Penn State is a little bit of a tweener there. The name will carry them to different places, but I'm not sure they can just go anywhere they want. They have to put in, get a bit of a foothold. So mm -hmm. I, I believe this strategy is regional dominate. But you've seen in the last year or so, James Franklin, it's almost like he's designated areas that it's like, hey, we want to be good there also. Yeah. It's why Deion Barnes in Philadelphia, it's why Marcus Hagens, you mentioned Virginia, but they hadn't necessarily been good in the Tidewater area. Yeah. And that's where Hagens has his connections. They brought in an analyst who's good in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Juan Sider is good in Florida. You know that. So, yeah. It, it's like they, they're, they're bringing coaches in strategically who have a recruiting area that they specialize in, T. Frank. Yeah, and that's the idea is bringing a different. Well, you know, it's Jay Wan Sider is, is one of the leaders in Florida. But look at the number of corners that Penn State has gotten out of Florida. Like Terry Smith is an exceptional recruiter. He's developed relationships with all of these guys in Florida. John John Mitchell, who's in this class, is a top 100 player, according to uh on three and Penn state had a, a great relationship with him and they didn't have to flip him from anybody. Like they, he just chose Penn state early in the process, getting Elliot Washington from the area. Like they, 
They're doing really good in, in Florida. And that's a really, I think that's really impressive for the staff from Pennsylvania to be able to have that sort of like all the way down into one of the most talent dense regions on the east side of the of America. So uh, outside of Texas, you know, in California, Florida, I think, is probably the the most talent rich place. You could any of those three, you could probably make an argument for each. But Penn State doing really well there. That's a concerted effort, too. Like that is a, that is a choice to be really good in Florida. It, it definitely is. And I think their recruiting profile is being raised. They may not be Alabama or Georgia, but we're seeing that they are getting some players from Texas. What mm-hmm. we're seeing in Wisconsin, what we're seeing is interest from Wisconsin. Okay, let's go to Keith and Carlisle, who says, I understand Storm Duck leaving if he doesn't think he's starting. What I don't understand is why he came here in the first place since that was always a real possibility T Frank. Yes, this one is confusing to me. Um, now this is one of those situations of what, what we didn't see during camp and storm duck was on the white team. So between him and Johnny Dixon, that competition for that cornerback two spot um, was clearly decided that, that Dixon was the starter, but Penn state wants to play three corners. You know, they want to play depth at the position. So is and this is the this is the open speculation was Cam Miller infringing on some of that time from Storm Duck. If that's the case and he felt like, you know, he needed to go somewhere else to find a, a place to start. I From his perspective, it's it's all risky, right? So he comes to Penn State. He wants to be in the rotation. He wants to be one of the starters. And if he didn't feel like he was in the top three, then he's got to go find another place to start because he's got to get to the NFL soon. Like he's running out of eligibility. But he's got to go now into the portal, find a position and, and a situation where he can start right away. <laughs> he has a familiar system and one that excel, accentuates the strengths. Like that's that's difficult for him to find as well. So he's he, this is a huge gamble for him to to go into the portal and try and find a place where he will prove to NFL teams that he's a, he's a defensive back that can play at the league because that's why he's leaving. There, that's why he came to Penn State. So. It's it's all kind of a gamble, but yeah, I agree that it's not a it's not very it it all feels like it was um uh not planned out very well by Storm, and, and hopefully he's got a better plan than I have in mind for him. But I, I just don't know how that's going to work out quickly. And for Penn State, how they're going to replace him, they need a third corner, they need a fourth corner, truly. And uh, is Elliot Washington ready for that? I, I don't want to put that on him. I think he can play this year and burn his red shirt, but I don't think you want him as your fourth corner, you want him in that Cam Miller role where, where Miller was able to play in blowouts and in, in mop-up duty uh, last year. I think Keith made a good point. The question should be more, you know, if he's looking to uh, accentuate his NFL prospects, there was a chance he wasn't going to be starting here. You know, I think we all thought he'd be number three in the rotation, but if that's at risk, even, I believe this is as much Penn State telling him, you know, here's where you are in the pecking order as I, much I would, as it is. I wouldn't say that. Duck saying. So I, I would not say that they need him like losing duck is a problem. So they would not be telling him he needs to go. Um, they would they he would be playing next year. Like, I, I don't care if it's, you know, if it's a quasi fourth position, like he would absolutely see meaningful play next year, but it might not be as much as he wants. And that's the big that's the big rub here. Well, I'm not saying they don't don't want him as much as it's like, but we want you, but you're going to be, you know, fourth in the pecking order. 
that's sending a message as far as Storm Duck is concerned. Hey, you know, I expected it to be higher in the pecking order. And if I'm fourth on my own team, where does that put me for the NFL draft? All right, let's go to Sean in Dubois, who says, T. Frank, why are we not looking at the successful Penn State alums in the NFL to be contributing more to NIL? This would be a great way for them to give back to the program that helped them get to where they are today. I don't know. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. And uh, maybe some of them are behind the scenes that we don't know about. I, I'm genuinely very ignorant on this position. Um, but I don't see a lot of former players overall stumping for their schools being, you know, mascots, essentially like recruiting tools. Some of that stuff happens behind the scenes, you know, when when prospects come to come to campus. As far as donating money, I it's going to take a, a proven veteran who is a very like second contract, maybe third contract to be giving money back because believe it or not, like even. Even some of those guys that are first round picks, like the the money that the liquid assets they have to give is probably not as high as you might think. It's more than you and I have in a lifetime, but it is not on the level of like millions of dollars in donations. But truth, truthfully, like I don't know what's going on behind the scenes to give you a, a, a proper answer to that question. Well, I do want to address the one thing with this, and it's probably going to come out wrong, but I'll risk it anyway. I think sometimes the nature of this, like the nature of Sean's question where he says, it's a great way to give back to the program that helped them get where they are today. But if you're one of those players, you could also say, wait a minute, I gave my blood, sweat, and tears to the university without any compensation. Yeah. One can argue, and I'll just use one name, Saquon Barkley gave more to Penn State than Penn State gave to Saquon Barkley. Oh, One can look at it that way. And by the way, a top 2025 running back committed to Penn State because Saquon Barkley went to Penn State. So like he's there's there's a residual effect there as well. It's never you. It's not usually that overt where a kid comes out and says, I want to go play where Saquon played. But that is the benefit of of having Saquon Barkley play for your program. There are residual benefits outside of the money. Exactly. All right. That is it for quarter number three. Stick around. Quarter number four. We'll name a winner and get back to the NFL draft. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. 
truststatecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number four. I'm Jim. He's T. Frank. Before we go any further, T. Frank, we need a winner from Ask T. Frank. Who do you got? Yeah, I feel like I fully comprehended the questions this week, so I feel confident saying that Matt and Acton is our uh, winner today. Talking about sleeper areas or regions of the country that Penn State can take advantage of. I thought it was a great insight into some of the things I've learned recently about recruiting, and I love when I learn something new to share with people. So that that's why I'm sitting here to share that stuff. So Matt, great question. Brought something out of me that I feel like made the show better. So that's why you win today. Very good, Matt. We'll be getting in touch with you. All right, uh, T. Frank, in the way we do it, I have seven names listed for the NFL draft. In <laughs> quarter number two, we got to exactly two of them. So let's see if we can be a little more efficient. Uh, I'll be, next I'll up be on quicker. my list is <laughs> Parker Washington, yeah. a guy I really liked at wide receiver, but I also kind of thought maybe, especially after an injury, another year would have helped him out. At Penn State. I, I typically don't like that because for Penn State fans, there's a lot of bias laced into that thought. And everyone from Brandon Smith to Ellis Brooks uh, was supposed to come back. Ellis Brooks wasn't getting anything from coming back to, to Penn State. He just he was what he was as an athlete. He was very smart and good at the position. It was time for him to move on. Um, but for Parker, I agree because he can't work out this offseason. He did zero testing. And if you're a top prospect that doesn't need to do that because on film, you're beating people left and right. You are uh, catching touchdowns deep down the field. He, he didn't have that. He didn't have a breakout season. He was always a really good option in an offense. So what I thought maybe when he came to Penn State, his positional ability might have been a second round pick. That's not the case. Like that is not the case. This is not a good receiver class. There's a lot of shuffling in the middle. So maybe a team likes him and they they want to take him, but because of the injury, the lack of any sort of buzz this offseason and a good but not great final season, he might slip into the fifth round. Like he's going to be a sleeper in the draft. He's going to be a good player that goes on and plays, and you're going to hate him if he gets to play in the slot and an option offense where he's getting open quickness and then breaking a tackle and getting a first down. But that's not going to get him where I think a lot of us thought early in his career he would get. And so I think it's unfortunate for him. Um, but at the same time, I still think he gets drafted kind of in the same position that Tig Brown is, you know, for similar reasons, but with less verification, because I do think Parker can be faster than we've seen. I do think he's been injured for too long. And that may be part of the reason he wants to go to the NFL is like, you know, I keep getting injured. What what if I get injured again? And then it's another year and I don't get to make money uh, as a football player. So so I, I get it. But also, I think he should have come back. And because of that, like, I do think his draft stock suffered this offseason. I'm with you on that. I hate ever questioning these guys because we don't know the full story. We don't know everything else going on. But I think just in terms of where he would be drafted, another year would have helped him. Um, next up on my list is Brenton Strange to tight end. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I, I thought of him as an NFL uh, tight end until this past season. There was a lot that I really liked in watching him play as a Penn State fan last year. And I 
I kind of get the feeling he's one of the guys, like you had mentioned, some of the others, who I'm not sure how much that would have changed by being back another year. No. Um, he is what he is, right? Yes, and what he is is a starting NFL player. I think Todd McShay had him in the second round of his latest mock draft, which, really? y- yeah, I, and this is coming from the ultimate Brenton Strange um, pusher this offseason of like uh, early on in the process. I said, this guy's going to play in the NFL. You're going to be super excited he's on your team because he's going to he's going to be one of those guys that just makes plays for your team and and going into the right situation and system. He needs to go into another. So I talked about two high defenses proliferating in the NFL. Kyle Shanahan's system, you know, the Shanahan zone system, the play action, hating linebackers and destroying them at the second level of the defense. He's going to be great at that because he can play in multiple positions. He can block for multiple positions. He can catch and he can run routes like he's not the best route runner in the world because he's not a a pure downfield threat. I think that's going to be one of the biggest reasons why he doesn't go in the second round because he doesn't have the production down the seam and being a big play player. And I mean, like Gronk went in the second round. So that's where we're projecting him. I, I don't see that. But again, as a third, you know, I, I'll, I'll take mid day three or mid third round and he starts for a team. I I'm calling my shot here. Miami is going to want him because they need their Kyle use check from the 49ers who is their do it all tight end to fullback that can play multiple positions. I think Bretton can do that in the NFL. He's six, four, he's two fifty. He can play fullback H back uh, F back. Anything you want, he can do that. And I think that he's going to be a really good starter in the NFL for a team. He's not going to lead you. He's not going to be your lead tight end, but he can be a guy that is on the field, making plays on a consistent basis that aren't just receiving or, or running routes. He's another guy to me like Jair Brown, where I'll say as a Penn State fan, watching the guy play every game makes me appreciate him more than I think the casual fan or someone who doesn't get a chance to watch him uh, every week play. I I hope he does really well, and I think he will also. Go ahead. So the one thing I'll say is that he doesn't have downfield production, partly because that was Theo Johnson's job. So the offense dictates what you do. He does have the speed to get down the field, but I don't think he's a complete route runner, which is what I was trying to say. I don't think he's going to be the mismatch weapon that teams are looking for as the dominant tight end one. But he is going to be a guy that is good at that position. But not everybody's the superstar in the NFL, the dominant player. You need a lot of just playing good football players, and I think that's what Brenton Strange is. I think he's definitely going to help somebody. Next up, it's an interesting name, Juice Scruggs. Mm -hmm. As a center at Penn State, I think, and this sounds like I'm damning him with faint praise, is you hardly heard his name mentioned. You didn't see a lot of, oh, he got beat or he made a bad snap or anything else. But I think it's also another case where, I'm not sure staying another year would have changed anything in his draft stock. Yeah, I don't know why we always come back to that as like fans in college football and people that talk about this. He he's a complete offensive lineman in the NFL. Played at three. He played at three fifteen this last year. He's got thirty three inch arms. He's got good athleticism. And you're right. Like doing my film reviews, I didn't talk about Drew Scruggs at all because I look for the problems on the play. <laughs> I look for what happened, what went wrong, what was supposed to happen there. And Juice just always did his job, and I moved on. I never talked about him. But as an offensive lineman, when you're consistently doing your job, you're consistently executing. Maybe you're not throwing, you know, guys to the ground, pancaking people. But as a center in the NFL, a position that is not a dominant position, but is incredibly important. 
He's going to be another guy. You talked about guys that need to start, guys that need to play the non-superstars. Penn State's got a lot of guys like that in this draft. And Juice, to me, with Brenton, those are the top two guys that have long-time starting potential in the NFL that we're not talking about enough. I think Juice is another guy that's going to go maybe on day two, early day three, and is going to be a starter for a team. He's going to come in at a very important position at center, and he's going to start and be a quality player. Like I'm hoping the Bills draft him because I, I want them to get some cap relief and their center is not good and very expensive. So I'm rooting for Juice Scruggs to be a Buffalo Bill because I think he's got those skills to be a starting quality center and, and to be a value for a team that is trying to compete for a championship. Like eventually, maybe not year one, but eventually as an offensive lineman. By the way, I don't care the sport. I don't care the business. If a guy is not good and expensive, that's a bad combination, T. Frank. Yeah, I'm being a harsh fan there, by the way. He's not terrible. He's just not worth the money. I, I love when you go into fan mode, by the way. We need to bring up the Buffalo Bills more often in our conversations. <laughs> P.J. Mustafer, he's a guy Penn State fans are talking about more probably in his absence than they yeah. ever did when he was actually there. Oh, I don't know about that. I, I don't – well, you keep hearing, well, how are they going to replace P.J. Mustafer? What are they yeah. going to do at that position? I have no idea how to evaluate PJ Mustafer. That's why you're here, T. Frank. Yeah, unfortunately, it's it's a bad situation. He went to the NFL Combine and put up one of the all-time bad performances I've seen from a Penn State athlete. And that's not to say like I'm not talking down on him. I'm telling you facts. He finished last or second to last in every drill that he did at the Combine, and then he didn't redo any of them at the pro day, which means that's what he is. So watching him on film, is he a dominant nose tackle? No, he does not consistently dominate double teams. He's not going to be that guy in the NFL. He's going to be in a 4-3 system. He's going to be a nose tackle that is quick, penetrates, and uh, plays smart. But he doesn't have the athletic profile of a guy that sticks in the NFL very long. Because he does have to take on double teams. He has to be more than what he was. I love PJ in terms of, like, he's a great person. He is a smart football player. He's good at all the little things. But you've got to have the athleticism to stick and I just don't see it. And that's the problem is he's not a three. He's not a one, not a pure one. So in the NFL, if you don't fit an archetype and you don't have the overall skills to just be everything, you tend to wash out. And I'm not rooting for that. I'm just telling you, that's kind of what his profile tells me going into the NFL. If he's recovering from the knee injury in a year, he's better. That's a different story. But like right now, what he is, is is not draftable. All right. Very good. One last player. Sean Clifford, and I know there's Penn State fans who just, they're not Sean Clifford fans, and that's just the way it's going to be. I think most of us are rooting for the guy. Can he be drafted? Can he carve out a little bit of a niche as a backup quarterback? So I, I'm I don't normally do this. I do want to talk about Mitchell Tinsley before we get into uh before we get into sure. the full Sean Clifford thing. Mitchell Tinsley, dark horse to be a better pro than he was in college because he's got the size, the quickness, and he showed enough speed at Penn State's pro day. He's got to get better against man coverage, pure and simple. But as a zone guy, I think he can be really good. So he's I, I want to throw him out as the sleeper that we we need to talk about here. But Sean Clifford Pre-snap is great. I've said this for a thousand years. Like he, if you put him on a whiteboard, he's going to impress you. He's going to tell you exactly what's supposed to happen. He's going to know all the checks. He's going to know the run checks. He's going to know everything he's supposed to do. It's all about what happens when the ball is snapped. He does not process consistently enough to be an NFL quarterback. And he doesn't have the overwhelming physical traits that you want to take a a risk on him. He's a 25-year-old quarterback prospect who has never been elite 
and uh, has struggled processing after the snap when things don't go properly. So I don't see him being draftable. I see him absolutely being in a, in a camp. Um, he was not invited to the combine when I, I think we saw some of those guys that throw at the combine and how they, they desperately lack arms even late in the day to throw to the other positions. He was not invited for that. These are all signs. And, and again, I'm not anti Sean Clifford. I've told you what he is the whole time. I have uh, tried to be as honest and neutral and, and uh, just observe what's going on. If you are not consistent with your post snap recognition and delivery under pressure, I, I don't know why you would be on an NFL roster. If you don't have the will Levis physical traits, not to bring up a, a sore subject and to ignite a bonfire, but that's the point. That's why will Levis with one year of good play is a top five pick because you're betting on all of those physical tools. Sean, can make every throw when he's clean, but he does not make every throw in every you know, in most situations that are outside of ideal. And that's just that to me, that's a camp arm and a guy that's going to hang around, maybe play in a lower league. And then he's a successful businessman. He'll be fine. Very good T Frank. Thank you for the evaluation. Enjoy the draft. Good luck to your Buffalo bills. Thank you all for listening and join us next time on the Keystone kickoff show. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hockensmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.